Monday, everybody. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. Welcome back to the Couch Night Veterans. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. Get yourself a gift by subscribing to everywhere, not just those. I mean, find everything. We, we're, we're all over the place. Like, we're, we're on, what, Google Podcasts? We're everything. I think Google shut down, actually. I think Google Podcasts is dead. Well, if the corpse is still around, you should follow us. Yeah. Uh, I would tell you to read the criteria, but we're, I mean, it's the judges. Might not need it this show. No, you got to read it. Okay. Read it yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. Don't go a week without reading it. That's right. Bring it to the bathroom. Just just print it out. Sit sit next to the you know next to the toilet. Put the <laughs> phone down. Read the, read the criteria on the piece of paper. Um, yeah, it is the judges. This is uh, our annual award show for those who are not familiar, maybe new listeners. This is the only award show which actually awards judges positive awards in many cases. For the most part, yes. Yes, yeah, so, I mean you know for... there's the good and the bad, you know. For the most part. We're not we're not mommies trying to pat them on the head, say good job. We're 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 there to, you know, comment on everything that's going on in the year. Not just, you know, not just judging, of course. It's all throughout the sport, you know. We got we got fight of the year, we got fighter of the year, we got all that stuff. But uh yeah, we, we do things just a little differently, right, Dan? Just a, a wee bit. But uh, you know, I don't I don't know how much you want to beat around the bush. Obviously, it it is Christmas. We've recorded this early. It is not Christmas when we're talking to each other. It isn't. No, it isn't. It will be, though, when you listen. That's true. More. Maybe you'll listen to it on another day. Maybe we're busy, um, which is kind of selfish because you really should have been listening to us on Christmas. Yeah, I mean, Santa listens to us while he's delivering gifts. He sure does. Oh, my goodness, so... does he? Yeah. <laughs> Huge fan, Santa. Huge fan. I'm a big fan of his as well. Yeah, he's he's solid dude. I mean that. Like, he's, he's like a solidly built dude. Like, good heavyweight. Yeah, like, he's a heavyweight yeah. I would want to, I would watch. Mm-hmm. He's not a boring five uh, five round or three round fighter. He gets... Well, he knows he knows not to be. He finishes the he he works fast. Yeah, Santa works fast, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, if he needs to get under the mark, I bet you he knows how to squeeze himself in to hit that weight. Oh, he can for sure, definitely. Mm-hmm. Just maybe skip a cookie or two. <laughs> but yeah, let's 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 get this back to the judges. Let's uh, I don't know. I mean, should we get right into it, man? Yeah, let's just get right into it. Let's get into it. And I think we got to lead off with probably the top award that is given out, maybe not just on this show, but probably in all of mixed martial arts. This is the the, the biggest award that you can possibly give out. Mm. The 2023 Judges Top Judge. For sure, yeah. And the, way it, and the way it works, each of us names somebody. Dan has his. I have mine. It's not always going to be a consensus. There is no consensus. It's just how we do it. Deal with personal criteria. Uh, yeah, I mean, typically, you know, we really do kind of. It's very free form. Um, but it's more or less to recognize uh, a judge who had a a very strong year. Um, potentially the strongest year, or maybe some other reason we want to be able to highlight because it's very, it's, it's so subjective, right? Like, how do we evaluate? Oh yeah, this judge was better than other judges. It's not really how it is, right? You know, um, there's so many strong judges out there, but I see this as an opportunity to highlight somebody for something that stood out in the calendar year mm-hmm. you want to lead off my man yeah my judge of the year sal d'amato the volume is just insane it's over 640 rounds scored across just across the uh ufc the, the, the promotion, really 
UFC, Bellator, PFL, and Contender Series. That's just astronomical. And 55 uh, times he was not unanimous. So, Which is obviously, it's a large number, but when you consider the fact that it is the number of rounds that he's working dwarfs everybody else, I'm pretty sure he's almost fully doubled up of the next highest total from the year. Right. He was like Mike Bell was, was keeping pace for a while. And you know, he didn't among he, those three promotions. I should. Yeah. Point. He didn't, I mean, he didn't keep uh he basically was, was not there the last quarter of the year, but I mean, the workload is just, is just, it's admirable. I mean, I, so many rounds, so many rounds. So, uh, and, and honestly the, I mean, we can get into the data another week, but, I would say his descent percentage is is still pretty solid. Not that that's the be all end all measure, but it's it's certainly an indication that somebody is still um, working within kind of the same range as their peers, um, and that certainly remains the case. It, he's had lower years, Sal has, but uh, um, this is still very much in a, a respectable range. And and I think when you consider the volume there, I can understand why you went that way. Crazy. Well, who and so and so many uh, five round fights too. I mean. Because the pressure is on in those five rounders, it's it's where the lights are brightest. There's a little more meaning there. You got to work a couple more rounds, mm-hmm. a little more stamina, I guess, potentially involved in that as well. So all those factors, I can see why you named it 100%. Sal D'Amato is a fantastic choice, and he's basically the perennial one of, if not the best judges, right? And uh, absolutely. So enjoy your judgy Sal. It's coming in the mail. It's coming in the mail. They're all coming in the mail, guys. Watch watch Who, out. Who's your judge of the year? I went with, uh, and I've kind of given a little bit of attention to this throughout the year. I pointed it out here and there, but I kind of made sure to look it up to verify if I was right. And when I was right, I said, okay, I think this is this is my judge of the year here. My judge of the year is Derek Cleary. Yeah, Derek, Derek Cleary, you, you don't get his name in the negative very often. Cleary! Yeah. What are, you, what are you, Bruce Buffer over there, clearly? I didn't say clearly, I said Cleary. You, Oh, I heard clearly, my friend. That's because I I still got the remnants of the flu. Mm, That's why. There you go. Well, good thing I'm not at your house. Um, but yeah, so I, I I went with Derek Cleary, and number one, always one of the top working judges. I I have him third in the number of rounds scored this year, uh, among those top three promotions. Not by much. He was right behind Mike Bell, and of course, Mike Bell, like you mentioned, uh, had an abbreviated schedule. Did not really work any rounds the last three months of the year nonetheless Derek Cleary is still that third spot working a lot of five rounders um what really stood out for me and like I said I I observed this a few times on the show throughout the year seemed like we just went weeks on end fights on end where Derek Cleary was still in the majority and it was very impressive to me that this was happening because that's a hard thing to do so I looked into it I looked up the numbers and of course we're the, all the data that I would be bringing up on this show is from those th- top three promotions here, right? Um, UFC, Bellator, PFL, um, with Derek Cleary, who I, I didn't—he did not have any PFL work, but in terms of his UFC and Bellator work, he had a string from May twentieth through October seventh, one hundred and thirteen rounds in which he was in the majority. That's like Oral Hershiser numbers. It was pretty wild, yeah. There's a good baseball reference. Um, very, very impressive run there. Is it not? Does that always mean he was like the right guy? No, of course not. Most of these are subjective. In fact, I can tell you that most of the time we were we were more likely to override 
one of his majority scores than we were to give a couch side override to Derek Cleary. So we weren't necessarily always seeing it the same way as him, but that doesn't mean he was wrong just because we saw it that way. I am just impressed with the fact that it was able to go that long with at least one other judge seeing it the same way as him. That that speaks volumes. The closest number that I had, because like I said, 113, and it was like 119 if you just count UFC rounds, and it went a little later in October. So it was a, an amazing run. I also feel he, he tends- I was to say the next closest run, though, I just wanted to finish that thought, Dan, was uh, I had Mike Bell getting 55 rounds in a row. Mm. That was a, a nice number, but certainly less than half of what Derek Cleary was able to pull off. And I was gonna, I was gonna say, I, I, it felt like every time Cleary worked, he ended up on decisions where he, he was turning in quite a few rounds. He wasn't there for just a, you know, a partial fight. Uh, so, I mean, that's what it felt like. I don't know if right. I, it might just be how I'm remembering things, but that's yeah, that could that could just be a feeling. I couldn't I couldn't really speak to that. Um, but what I can say is just that I mean, he's working a lot of five rounders here too, so obviously. Not all of those go the distance, but a lot of those, if he's working a UFC Apex card or he's working a title fight, a lot of title fights, a lot of Apex main events, they go five rounds. They just do. They're, they're better match made. The, the, the margin of error is a little closer. They're less likely to make those errors. So we do see those fights tending along. There is more work done in there. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't believe I have given out the, the top judgy to... Uh, Derek Cleary in the past I think it's probably it's not a, it's not a body of work thing I think this was just a really strong year and I think it was really worth rewarding and again that run really impressed me but one of the best judges you're in you're out no right well that's it that's our show that's talk to you it. later yeah no <laughs> no I, I don't have anything more to add about uh about my choice for the top judge and I think we covered yours as well you want to move on to uh other business yeah let's keep it going most surprising scorecard. Now, this doesn't have to be a negative, right? Not necessarily a negative. It's just something that kind of popped up and we're like, whoa, interesting. Okay. Um, let's think about that. I'm going to leave with this one just because you led with the last one. So mm-hmm. um, what I'm going with here is actually, and, and again, I don't think this is like a bad thing. It's more of a, uh, oh, really? Okay. Chris Lee giving a 10-7 in the fourth round for Ilya Taporia against Josh Emmett back in June. That was surprising, yeah. I anytime you get a 7 yeah, first I, off, you got to you got to say really 10-7. Really? It has literally been years since we've seen a 7. That's not an exaggeration. That was yeah, seeing a seeing a 7 especially there was kind of very surprising. Yeah, I think I, the nature of the 7 first off was 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 also uh interesting because it did not really meet what we thought would be a seven we already talked about that one before um so that's you know as much as we disagree necessarily with that it's it's nice that sevens are not dead um but when you know i'm at a wedding when this fight's happening and i'm sort of following along with it but i'm also like trying to enjoy the wedding and uh i hear there's a seven and i'm like what so i i sought it out as much as fast as i could to watch that fight like i'm off to the side watching it uh in like sort of in the rain on my phone just to try and watch this round um, that's how surprised I was. I was like, we got to get to this. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's easily the most surprising scorecard that presented itself yeah. in the calendar yeah. year for me. It is unanimous. That is also my most surprising scorecard of the year. I think that's fair. I, there's not a whole lot that comes close. I mean, I think probably in our next category, there might be some that, that work that way too. Right. But, uh, yeah. I think in, in terms of surprising, but not necessarily in like a, a negative way. 
this is this is like the be all end all. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anything more to add on that one? No, that's it. I'd like I'd like to see sevens. <laughs> you know, what would be really surprising is if we got like a unanimous seven. That would be insane. Then what what do we put for that as our category? Like, should this fight have been stopped? I think so. Yeah, we <laughs> the safety watch. <laughs> we have the ten seven watch, and then we move up to there to the safety watch. Like, is this is this human going to be okay? <laughs> we got to look out for that one. Uh, <laughs> or maybe we're just <laughs> did they get it right? Is this really a ten seven? I guess that probably still falls under the ten seven watch, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We probably covered that as much as we could, right? How about we move on to this is. Kind of an extension of this one, but more the negative, right? The worst judging moment. Now, it doesn't have to be a scorecard. It can be something unfortunate that happened. I think last year we kind of leaned more in that direction, right? Yeah, that's uh, kind of the same way, I think, for this one, yeah. All right, well, what do you got? I think it's the 10-8 in round five uh, of Grasso Shevchenko, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, too. That that scorecard being, of course, given out by Mike Bell, um, who... This was basically the last scorecard he turned in of the the year that I'm aware of. Um, definitely of the of the major shows. Um, and I think personally, I think that's unfortunate because I do think Mike Bell is a very fantastic judge. Um, I mean, for goodness sake, I would have loved to have seen him on the uh, the Patty Pimblet Tony Ferguson fight because I bet you he gives an eight in that first round, <laughs> and that's the right time, you know. But yes, for in this case, this was not a defensible eight, um, like really at all. And, you know, we've covered it before. We all know that this score did result in it being a draw instead of having a definitive winner uh, for Valentina Shevchenko, right? She would have been the winner if right, I recall. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, that is not to say, of course, that she was robbed because there are a lot of ways that you can get to this fight not being a win for Valentina Shevchenko. It's a close fight. Yeah, the last but, the round four split. Round four and round split. and round five is you got the you know the eight. I just I I don't I don't want to get into the the robbery territory here. What what I think is the worst part about this is it's kind of twofold. Number one, it did mar the end result of what was a really interesting fight and, and a fascinating storyline throughout 2023, which was you know the the stunning rise of uh, Alexa Grasso to get the big upset and to be able to retain her belt, which. Yes, she did in a draw and also kind of left us with this whole, you know, this is still unfinished scenario here. So that's yeah. number one. Number two for me is the fact that we I for one reason or another, we have not seen Judge Mike Bell working any fights since then. And I do think that's a bad thing for the sport. That's um, definitely a bad thing. I, I think we want judges like Mike Bell on those rounds. I think he's a very strong judge. I mean, I can tell you. Again, I, I don't want to go too deep into the data, but he had one of the very strongest descent percentages this year of the yeah. uh, high volume judges. Well, he's a very good judge. He's a so. fantastic judge. Um, and and he's yeah, he's willing to give out those eights. Obviously, this case, not the right time. But most of the time, I think you and I tend to look at the way Mike Bell sees an eight, and we tend to agree. Yeah, well, yeah, that's an eight. You know, not in this case, like you said, but no, a lot of times, like yeah, that's an eight. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mike mm-hmm. Bell's working this one. That's an eight. Yep, exactly. We can we can trust in Mike Bell. So yeah, I, I think there's it's a big like nothing really great came of this whole thing. Um, and I think I think a lot of people at least recognize that hey, Mike Bell is a judge we 
we tend to trust and got a little bit of benefit of the doubt with, um, let's say, the social media conversation that is typically not afforded to judges. I, I did see that to a different degree with him for whatever reason. Um, maybe it's just people have not recalled different times where Mike Bell had been kind of in the mix. They don't hear his name so often because typically he's not, you know, it's not even that he's not in as many fights. He's in a ton of fights. But for whatever reason, he hasn't resonated to a negative way like some other judges unfortunately have for one reason or another, deserve it or not. Mm. But uh, I hope is that for next year, we do see Mike Bell back in that chair soon enough. And hopefully very quickly, we get resolution to that fight uh, series as well. Yeah, just, just let's let's finish that one out. Hopefully all works out for the best. But uh, yeah, that was all I had for that one. I, I'm, I'm totally united with you. I, I had that one as the worst judging. Mm-hmm. I want to move on to, uh, I think we're done with the uh, the judging awards, right, for the moment? Yeah, it's on to the fights. Go with knockout of the year, my man. Okay. My knockout of the year was decided in January <laughs> until until it lost in the final event of the year. Mm. I had I had Ishmael Bomfim flying knee over Terrence McKinney as my like slam dunk knockout of the year. Until, that was a fantastic finish, yeah. Until Josh Emmett uncorked a, a hell of a right hand on Bryce Mitchell yeah. last weekend. Mm-hmm. And that took the knockout of the year for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I can't, I can't even fault you. I thought I teased that one too, but I tried to kind of, I, I was thinking maybe it was a little too much recency bias in my head, but like that was, fr- it was frightening. It actually was mm-hmm. like scary <laughs> the way he's like twitching on the ground. Yeah. He definitely yeah. didn't look okay for a bit. It was, you know, the doctor said he's okay now, but like, was he really okay before? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a good choice, man. And I actually went and I, and I I often do this with knockout. I I often will pick one that's it may not be the most spectacular knockout of the entire year in terms of like, oh, it's an amazing knee or it's oh, it's a you know, a switch kick flying, you know, up kick knockout. I'm making stuff up obviously. Um I like the ones that there's a little drama to it. There's a little bit of like meaning there sometimes. I mean, if it's if it's wild, it's wild. You got to go with it, but this year, I didn't have one that stuck to me as strong. And so I went with Israel Adesanya finally slaying the beast that is Alex Pereira and getting that knockout victory after losing three times to him across two sports, mm-hmm. twice by knockout. Um, the Just the, the be able to be able to get that finally when it was very clearly his last chance to do so. Um, not just win, but really get the knockout and kind of show that, okay, you know, maybe... Maybe this isn't someone who just wins on points very often, which we've seen a lot more without Asani. Obviously, he does have the power, and he sure, certainly reminded us here, but we've seen less and less of this finishing ability mm-hmm. uh, at the top of the sport. He reminded us of what he can do here. Uh, very much had Pereira just out. It was it, it was a temple shot. It kind of just rocked him like that, right? And uh, and he hits him again with, with like a little jab, like before he even lands. And it's all over. He does the he does the bow and arrow uh, celebration. Just totally steals that from his rival. And totally fair. Why not? He's and mocked his son. Yeah, I mean that was that was crappy, <laughs> but whatever. He's petty. I think he knows he's petty. Oh, it, I I think he prides himself in being petty. I think he does. <laughs> hey, whatever. It's it's part and parcel. But um. Yeah, I think that that whole story, just to be able to end that like that, I still think they should have had one more fight, but Adesanya decided, no, I don't want to do that, and obviously ended up losing his belt, and now we'll probably never have that other. Mm. So, But that was definitely my knockout of the year. I thought, I yeah, thought that was... Yeah, I, I like that one. Um, 
I don't necessarily go that route for submission of the year for whatever reason. Some like I really like subs that are like we don't really see that in MMA too often. I don't know what your strategy is with with um. I already. I, I mean, if you listen to this show, you already know my sub of the year. I gave That's it, true. Gave why, it out. why did you put it out there? You already, you did already go over it. <laughs> uh, Joe Anderson Brito Ninja Choke over Jonathan Pierce. That was fantastic, and not just because of the choke. It's it's because Pierce is telling him to do something. Brito's mocking him while he's on the ground. He gets up, he does something, he chokes him out, and then he drops his drawers. I don't know what the point of, of, of dropping your pants was, but I thought it put it over the top, and it deserves the sub of the year. You, you've always been a big fan of people taking their pants off. Just take it off. <laughs> I don't know. I'm making that up. Um, no, it, it was it was a good one, for sure. Um, I I didn't feel as strongly about it as you did. It's it's clearly a great finish, right? And, and, and it has that story behind it, so I get why you went there. Um I went completely outside of all the fights we talk about because I just want to see something crazy happen in MMA, right? So I went with, and this is this is one for the European uh, audience out there. I went with, and I'm probably going to mispronounce these names, but Louis Glissman getting the inverted omoplata on Melvin Van uh, Sweet Swidon Swidon. I'm gonna, I'm terrible with that. That's just you know. So apologies to Melvin, but you lost that fight. Uh, <laughs> that was at Octagon, and I mean you can find it. It's that's a free fight available on on YouTube. Just kind of just look for that one. Look for look for Glissman Octagon submission probably an Oval Plata or something like that. It'll, it'll pop up. That was incredible to me because you just don't see stuff like that happen in MMA. You don't see regular Oval Plata's in MMA. Yeah, you should. There should be more Oval Plata's. Really, you think that? Are it you is, sure? It is such a a great sweep technique like i mean you I may, you, know you, like you shouldn't you probably shouldn't see more omoplata finishes but you should see more omoplatas utilized to get out of b- bottom position at least you see it from time to time uh, it, it definitely happens no but not as much as it should i think it's a very underutilized technique you might be right you might be right well that's why you need to turn pro uh, yeah i should <laughs> um but yeah so i went with that one but for the you know let, let's say for like the the fights we tend to talk about, the UFC and PFL and Bellator, that kind of thing. Uh, I went with Demond Blackshear getting a twister on Jose Johnson. Yeah, I mean, how, like, what, third twister in UFC history, I think. It, I believe it's the third, third, if I recall. Yeah, I mean, anytime because, you see a twister. Uh, Getson was the first. Who was the second? You had um, right Leonard Garcia got got twisted. Well, he got, that that was that was by uh, TKC. Yeah, Korean. Yeah, so Korean Zombie. I don't Korean know. Zombie got him with it. Then then there was the, the second was more recent, I think. I know Bryce Mitchell was looking for one. He was. I don't think he hit. I don't know who hit one other than these two. Nah, anyway, not important. I would say, yeah, for for the one that maybe more people had seen already. Uh, although who knows? I mean, our audience probably a little diehard. Maybe they've already seen uh, the one I'm talking about as well, and mm-hmm. probably can pronounce the name better than so. Um, I'll give that to you. Somebody, somebody, call me and scold me. Just, just get it right and just call me a ninny pants. Ninny pants. Someone, yeah, ninny pants is a big thing. Like all the kids are calling them. <laughs> like my kids come home and they're like ninny pants. Ninny pants. No, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I went with. I want to take it back over to the officiating side for one more officiating award, which I kind of maybe we shouldn't have broken it up. I think we did broke it up last year. Maybe we should have just kept it together and then gone over to the fights. But let's go back over to best referee. Okay. We don't we talk usually when we talk about refereeing, we're pretty much only highlighting the adventures in officiating, which is not a good thing. But we don't call out the good stuff mm-hmm. as much. And I think this is this is where we have to call out some of the best that we have. Why don't you go first? Uh, why don't you go first? You want me to? Because we're gonna. Fine. It's gonna. It's gonna bleed into the next thing. Bleed. That's why. Oh, get a bandaid. <laughs> um, 
I went with Mark Goddard here. Solid. We we've not done him. I we I have not given my award to him. It's, for me, it's basically been the annual uh, uh, Jason Herzog Best Referee Award. Which I mean, for goodness sakes, he's still amazing. This is not a. <laughs> there's no reason I couldn't have given it to Jason Herzog again this year. But I went with Goddard for a couple reasons. Number one, I do think he needs his due um, to be recognized as just a fantastic official. Not only a globetrotting official who who works when they go to Brazil, he works when they go to Australia, he works in the United States, he works in Europe, he works in Asia, he works in uh, the Middle East, which is technically Asia. But um, he will work everywhere, wherever the UFC goes. He will work. He will work for Aries. He'll work all these promotion, the Cage Warriors, Titan FC, all of these shows all across the globe. Works all of them. Takes everything as seriously as possible. Is always on the ball. Never sleeping. Really amazing official. And I also looked into it. He actually worked the most UFC championship fights this year of any referee. What was, the, I, I believe it was this year that he had a fight where he told the fighter, he goes, listen, you turn this around or I'm stopping it. Where, was that this year? I actually I couldn't I, remember. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was this year or the year before, but I remember that's, that's a Mark Goddard moment that sticks out. It's like, listen... You, you're taking a beating right now. He clearly communicates stuff to, to the fighters in there as well, which is which I think is a very key thing. There's a lot of times, I mean, most of the top officials know better than to let this happen, but there are a lot of officials that we've seen from time to time that are not effectively communicating what it is they're thinking or doing or going to do and that kind of thing. And it, it becomes ambiguous. And we have these issues with, you know, what did we do? Why did we stop this fight? That kind of thing. You just... I can't think of many examples, if any examples, at least off the top of my head, that would involve Mark Goddard in that scenario. Can you? No, uh, I don't think so, no. Amazing official, highly influential on the entire uh, UK refereeing and judging scene. Um, he is a, a very important part of this sport, both across the pond and globally, and here domestically even as well. Mm -hmm. He worked title fights in each of the final five ufcs this year pay-per-views he's a great judge i'm, I'm sorry they, yeah I'm, I'm sure he is a great judge but he's a great he does judge as well but we're we're, we're this is a refereeing award sir yeah he could, i can't argue it not giving it to him i i think i think he'd be crazy to yeah. Uh, but yeah so it was interesting because he yeah he he had he did eight of the eight of the 21 ufc title fights this year i'm not counting the the bmf belt that's not really a title um but he did eight we had uh, Herb Dean did six. I believe Jason Herzog also did six. Dan Mergliata did three. Or maybe it was uh, Herzog did three. Um, and then Kevin McDonald did one. All right. And that's everybody who works UFC title fights. Those are all the referees. <laughs> so he stood out to me. Mark Smith didn't get a title fight. No. Interesting. No, they don't. I, they, there's a very small club that, that gets called upon yeah. to do these title fights. Um, Tandam, by the way, he did it in New York. He did it in Canada when they were out in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, and he did it in Miami, Florida. All right. So, not in New, New Jersey, incidentally. That was Herb Dean. Mm. Who's your uh, referee of the year, my friend? Well, he's my referee of the year mainly for one reason. Okay. Because he was on the ball and he sat in the judge's chair when he was needed to because there was no judge in the judge's chair. Mm -hmm. and that's Jaron Vallel. Okay. So, mainly just because of that. I'm there to referee, but oh wait, I got a judge now. All right, I can do that. Just just put the hat just on, takes over, lickety split, step in. So that's that's where I went with that. Okay. Now, of course, you know, Jaron was one of the 
uh, two referees who helped train us when we did the ABC course uh, alongside Blake Grice. Blake kind of took the lead, but they were very much uh, in, in simpatico in running that course and, and teaching us and giving us uh, guidance in how things are done, what can happen in there, what can go wrong, how you got to be ready for that kind of thing, and, and all of the, the, the little minutiae that you may not be thinking about at home. So, yeah, he uh, a fine choice. Sure, I, I can understand why you'd pick that. I'd had him in mind for a different category, and this is where we're yeah. talking about that yeah. bleeding. Yeah, it's bleeding all over the place now. Um, it's like a it's like a big messy fight. Unsung hero. This is award we kind of. This is very free form. We can kind of give out this award for whatever we feel like any year. Um, we've given it out to Caposa. We've given it out to. I, I think you retracted the. One I rescinded thing. it. Big Marcel does not get one. He is not a judge. Marcel Dorff's award. It has been rescinded. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I, I have never rescinded an award. I, I, I'll let them be final. But my unsung hero this year is Jaron Vallel. And it is for that reason. The fact that he was able to step up at that PFL championship event in D.C. Um, and just kind of slid right in. Uh, when this happened, and we talked about this on the show uh, Mostly in one episode and then a little bit in another episode. I don't want to go ad nauseum with it. Um, But what really struck me when that happened, because first I was confused. I was like, what the heck is this? What am I seeing? And at first it seemed like crazy. And I'm like, has anything like this ever happened? Right. And then you talk to people and you say, okay, it actually, sometimes this type of thing can happen. Usually it's for different reasons than it seemed to have happened in this case, but it, it's not an insane scenario. Um, but that not just that, oh, this happened, Jaron had to come in and, and take the job, that it was very much viewed as a heads up, saves the day kind of thing, which maybe not everybody would think to do. I don't know. Um, but he did in this case. I think we've we've sung the praises of it. I don't even know if anybody else is really aware of this story. Like, if you don't listen to our show, you may not know that this happened. So I think he still qualifies as an unsung hero. So I'm going to sing the praises of, uh, of Jaron Vallel. In this All right. Great, great job. Obviously, the peers respect it, and uh, well, they they know they know he's a hero in that sense. They they they're singing, right? Oh yeah, they just can't sing too loud. <laughs> the judges and then the referees. <laughs> um, do you you obviously went with Jaron for another category? So I assume you might have another one for Jan's on hero. All the judges we never get to talk about, really. Cop out. All the officials, you know, Brian Miner putting in a lot of volume this year. You Re- gave him your really... referee of the year last year. I know, but. <laughs> Marcel Varela getting to sure. do some big UFC events this year. A lot of these guys that we never get to talk about because they're just not on the events we cover. And that's where you know, I, on on that note, I would add too that like realistically, there are so many officials that we just aren't even aware of who they are. And we don't even know how often a lot of these guys work because most promotions do not share their scorecards. Most uh commissions are not itching to share their scorecards. If I request one, depending on the commission I reach out to, I, I find that very typically commissions are willing to work with me. I don't know how much they're willing to do that with everybody. I think I've probably earned a little trust because I'm not just trying to bury people when we talk about officiating. But um, there's just so many officials that we hear from. I, I, I mean, even you hear things about Texas, right? So Texas... We bag on Texas all the time. And realistically, they deserve a lot of it. Most of it. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of weird things that happen when fights happen in Texas. But I'm even hearing rumblings about there's people there that, that really do care. That they're really trying to 
change things from you know within as much as they can mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm optimistic about the future of a place like texas and there's so many officials that you're never going to hear from you may never even hear their names maybe they'll never get to the point where they work an event that you hear of we may not mention them on this show ever but they're worth it that they're they're going out there and hopefully they're doing their best anyone who's putting in the work especially if they're really caring about what they do and not just saying, hey, it's a fun way to watch a few fights and, you know, maybe get a little money and I don't really care. You know, I don't know how many people are like that. I would hope most of them are. I bet most of them are trying to do their best. But uh, yeah. I, I like I like to hear that. You, that, you, got, that it's going. you got guys that go out and do trainings that you don't you don't hear about every weekend because, you know, they're they're not covering the UFC, but they're working somewhere. And they're the ones, you know, teaching the courses, trying to train everybody, get everyone up to speed. They put a lot of work in, in behind, you know, not always uh, recognized for it. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> what a Jersey thing. <laughs> <laughs> you're giving out a nice award. You're giving props. To the, what are you going to do? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that was that was all I had about uh, the Unsung Heroes. I probably stole a lot of your thunder with that, but, but you made me think of something. No, you're so good. I, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, let's move on though we, we've got a few more awards here to give out we got top prospect we got to give that one out here and i, I found this one tricky this year because i, I kind of wanted to say the same name as last year but i said I, i'm gonna go in a different direction okay. i went with uh and i don't know how much you know him but uh soundy pernas i don't know him I'm at not, all i'm probably saying his name wrong as well too I'm I'm very bad with that, but he uh he fights for KSW. He is a two division champion, and he actually unsuccessfully tried to be a three division champion up at welterweight right. recently. Didn't go his way. Um, he is uh, prospect is a weird label, right? In MMA, because like when is someone a prospect and when are they not? He's been fighting pros since I think 2015. He's 26, so he's still kind of young, and he has not reached any of the the major shows. Like obviously KSW. They're a fantastic European promotion, but they are technically still like a regional promotion as much as they put on some amazing spectacle shows. It's just not the same as, you know, a UFC or a even now PFL, right? The new PFL. Um, which version of PFL would you put KSW? Wait, what? Which version of PFL would, would you put KSW on par with? Well, it's definitely better than PFL Europe. Okay. Tell, yeah. It's almost on par with PFL then. Yeah, it's... it's yeah, it's probably somewhere in between. Okay, Cage Warriors. Look, think of some of the great Polish and European fighters that have come over that have been KSW champions. You know, we're talking about Jan uh, um Kalina Kovalevich made her name over there as well. Yana. There are a lot of people. Uh, we, we haven't even seen uh, Mamed Halidov. He never came over, but he was somebody who was really impressive fighting uh, over in Japan first and then over in Poland for a very, very long time. He's an amazing fighter. KSW is really terrific. Um, they're, they're, they put on amazing shows, spectacle shows, when they get to the, the Coliseum shows. I don't know if you've watched them, damn. They're amazing. But anyway, um, Parnas, I don't know how he falls. I don't know where he falls in terms of prospect or not. I saw our guy Dan Tom label him as a prospect at the start of the year. Sean Bitter follows all the prospects. I saw him label him as a prospect. So it was good enough for me. I said, you know what? People thought he was a prospect to start the year. I will continue to call him that for now. All right. But I think now he's starting to arrive. I think people are really noticing him even more, especially because, you know, he, he's he got these championship belts now and he tried to get another one. Okay. What about you? Who's your top prospect? I got two. Uh, one, uh, Team Urban uh, member, Bo Nickel. Mm -hmm. 
He, I mean, that was too, that was our unanimous pick last year, so I was like, I can't do it. Oh, uh, he's still a prospect because they're they're not moving him as fast as I'd like him to. Sure. Um, and Tatsuro Tyra, I mean, he's kind of getting a little bit. He's probably going to be fast tracked this coming year, I think. So yeah, but I mean, but he's not yet. So no, they are definitely like even his last opponent was probably not someone he needed to be fighting. He was fighting a little down there. Mm. I think they could have come up with a better body to put in front of him. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, he's still he's still treated like the prospect he that that he is. He's very young too. So um, yeah, there's there's not a definition of prospect in MMA until you pretty much like started fighting top guys. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, breakthrough star. Let me say this, Dan. Yeah, I know what yours is. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna let you say it. But when I said I saw you write this down, I'm like, what the heck is this guy talking? He's a heavyweight now. <laughs> So he broke through the scale. He broke through the ceiling to two division champ, John Jones. Breakthrough start. You guys, if you haven't heard of him, this kid, John Jones, he's going to be something. John Jones <laughs> would have had two wins this year in amazing fashion. Broke through, you know, into the heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. Retired the GOAT, probably. And that's why he's the, my breakthrough heavyweight star. Just shaking my head at you. Yeah. <laughs> I went with a different heavyweight champion of the UFC. <laughs> I went with Tom Aspinall, who, yes, you hate Aspinall, uh, who, who you hate because of the Harry Potter stuff. But here's the thing. It's like it doesn't like, – I don't care that he what? doesn't like it, <laughs> but I care that he he makes fun of people that do. Like, it doesn't affect you. Yeah. No, I get it. Like, oh, come on. You feel attacked. I understand. I understand. I would fight I'm him sure over this. I'm sure there's a spell you could oh, – Please fight him. I would. <laughs> Dude, the guy couldn't move, and he knocked out one of the heaviest hitters in the world. Well, that was impressive. I'll give him that. <laughs> well, that's, that's that's exactly why he's my breakout star. He came out. He came back from a devastating knee injury. He was on the cusp of breaking through and didn't quite get to do that. <clears throat> I don't know what he would have done against Curtis Blades. I would have liked to have seen it. I, in my heart of hearts, I do believe he could probably gotten the win at that time. Um. But anyway, we're, we're here now. Comes back. Looks great in his return. Apparently can't move. Like I'm saying, he gets a, a short notice fight against the hardest hitter in the heavyweight division and knocks out Sergey Pavlovich to win the, uh, the interim UFC heavyweight championship, which is apparently the one that's probably going to get defended first. Is it? Probably. You think? And when's John coming back? He's not ready, I think, till summer at minimum. John can fight today if he had to. He can't. If he could, he would. If he had to, I'm saying. No. If he had to, he would. Yeah, but oh, fine. If he had to, but he hasn't had to fight for like twelve years. Well, that's why he's a breakthrough star. <laughs> no, that's exactly why he's not a breakthrough star. You crazy man. Um, but yeah, Tom Aspen. I mean, I think his profile got a whole lot bigger with that knockout win too. Um, everyone was talking about him after that. Other than the Harry Potter stuff, I find him to be a likable guy. I also don't care about Harry Potter, so you know, doesn't even offend. I don't. Me. You know what? I don't care if he was like. You know, I don't like Harry Potter. But it's the mm-hmm. fact that he attacked the people that do. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't affect you. It has no bearing on you. Fair enough. Fair enough. But no, he, <laughs> he's my breakout, a breakthrough star of the year. I do think as long as he can continue on this track, he could easily be one of the biggest stars in the sport. Definitely has a chance. I mean, you he's know, a, so that's, that's he's a heavyweight. I, I saw this as the arrival moment. You know what I mean? He's a heavyweight when he's, I mean, okay, fine. I can deal with this heavyweight bout. Because it's likely not going five. Yeah, exactly. So the man knows what he's supposed to do. He gets the job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Let's move on to the event of the year. And I will tell you, my event of the year happened to involve Tom Aspinall. Aspinall. I keep saying it wrong. I know the right way to say it. Um, say it however you want. I, I asked him how to say it the, the, when he was in New York for this event, UFC 295. And he said Aspinall. All. I'm like, okay, got it. And then I probably said it wrong like right <laughs> after. like a D. But uh, 295 was fantastic, man. Um, I'm probably a little biased because I was there. And I gave it to the New York card last year. But they do build these cards to be fantastic for a particular reason. They really want them to be showcase cards for the UFC. They want it to be the big deal when they come to New York. And it is. Um, And fights come through. I mean, we had a whole main card. Five fights, all knockouts. Like, Yeah, too many finishes for me. a pretty defensible event of the year. Too too many finishes for me. Too many. Yeah, you prefer (laughs) a lot more. Uh, (laughs) we, we We had great fights. All ended early, all fun, two title fights. Um, I thought it was a really terrific card. I had a lot of fun during it. Uh, I'm obviously working at the time, so there's some things that I'm not, you know, in the moment as much as I'd like to. But uh, it, it it was definitely, and I think I think objectively, a lot of people would sit there and say, no matter where you were in the country, this was a this was a damn good card. Yeah, well, for sure. So that's that's it for me. But I mean, for goodness sake, there's so many really terrific fight cards that happen. Most of them are UFC pay-per-views. So you can almost take your pick on most of these. Yeah, you really could. Did you go with that route or you go with a different one? I went with UFC 285. Mm -hmm. This was the return of John Jones debut at heavyweight. There's a theme, by the way, of both of us. (laughs) There is a little bit. Uh, (laughs) That was fantastic. We had Alexa Grasso with like the upset of the century. uh, Huge, amazing upset. I think that's a bigger upset than when he, when Sean Strickland won. And you know what? It probably, probably was. I really do. I actually do. Um, Shafka and Jeff Neal had a, had a great fight. I mean, it's probably going to be, you know, in our list coming up soon. Um, Bo Nickel was on that card. Who? Bo Nickel. Oh, he's a prospect. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Ian Gary was on the card. I, I thought that was a good card, top to bottom. D- terrific. I mean, that was a great one. 290 was fantastic. 284 was terrific. There really are, most of these you can kind of pick as one of the great ones. Even 296 I, like, I was, was good minus to- the main. What's that? 296 was good minus the main. It was okay. Um, it was an all right card. I I would say probably the weakest because I was trying to think of like what what's the actual like was there a bad card? Was there a bad pay-per-view this year? I don't think there was a bad pay-per-view. I would say probably the one that felt the least um special and the one that was like alongside it was not maybe the highest of uh entertainment value was probably uh the one in June that we watched together. Uh, what was it? Two eighty nine. Who was on that one? That was Amanda Nunes. Oh yeah. Because that fight, it was so one sided against uh, Irene Aldana in her retirement fight. It just, for me, it was there was just not enough drama. Obviously, it was a fantastic moment for her to be able to go out on top and everything. And there was, you know, there was some there was some fun on it too. Yeah. But I just, I would say, if I had to pick one that was like the least entertaining or the maybe the the low point of of UFC pay per views that if hey if you skipped it like you maybe wouldn't have felt so bad probably that one but yeah. even at that I think I think most of these came through yeah yeah Charles went on that one that was probably the biggest thing Charles Oliveira correct over Benil so yeah um again there's really no way to go wrong but I I think 295 for me I feel good about that one yeah I mean well you, obviously, you, can, you can stand on that hill for 285 well here, well here's the thing about 295 is they didn't want me in the building that's true yeah uh with the price point they set so that that's really what it was. Mm-hmm. So maybe you should have robbed the bank. I, I maybe next time. It, it worked for Lee Murray. Oh, it, well, actually, it <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it 
It worked for, dude, it worked for a little while. I finally watched Catching okay. Lightning. It worked for a little while. And if he had played his cards right, he would already have been out. Mm. But he did everything wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Have you watched that? I can't remember. I watched like the first episode. Oh, you gotta watch the whole thing, man. Go through. I think I started the second episode and I fell asleep because I watched it when I was too tired. Oh, well. And ended up passing out and then never went back. Time to restart. Get a good sleep in and then watch. Mm. Um, let's move on. We we, we got two, not too many more awards here. Really just two. Uh, although we this one coming up here is our top five fights of the year. Okay. Which we will go down from five to one. Let's go back and forth. I'll let you lead, my friend. All right, well, it wouldn't be a fight of the year list without this guy on it. Jim Miller versus Alexander Hernandez. You got to include Alexander Hernandez. I understand. Um, Jim just ran out of time. He didn't get beat. Uh, fantastic fight. Never quit. Uh, number five on my list. It was a solid fight. It doesn't stand out in the same way it does, it does for you. Uh, but it, it was a good fight. Um, I went with Dan Hooker against Jalen Turner. That was a fun fight. That, very, that was uh, a very that was good fight. Uh, I mean, there's so many lightweights that you can put in there and just sparks will happen no matter what happens. But Dan Hooker is the type that's almost always going to find the way to make that happen. Um, Jalen Turner always shows up. This was a really true fight. We had, we had a whole list of uh, – did, did Hooker break his arm in this one? Is this the one he, he broke his arm in or something? Um, It's possible. I remember – I know this was like we praised the judging on this one. Like really good judging mm-hmm. for a really tough fight. Sure. I remember that. That's really what I took away from it. But this this was a high entertainment value one, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like I said, Dan Hooker is kind of almost instant entertainment. Um, and I, I really like J- Jalen Turner. He he fascinates. I think he's he's a really interesting fighter. He um, is. Because yeah. he's, he's he's so huge for 155 pounds. <laughs> so long. Like, just so, he's a giant. Right, the tarantula. It's crazy that he can get down there. The tarantula, exactly. And he loves spiders. It's it's, it's twofold. He's got everything in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, that was my number five. What about number four? Why don't you lead again? Four, I had to put him in there. It just happened. Carol Hosa and Irene Adana. This fight was tremendous, and I felt you know we had to we had to get a female fight in there um, for this list, and I think they actually des- deserved it. They they should have been allowed to fight the final championship rounds of the main event for Colby and Leon um, because they just deserved it. So I would say, th- good fight, absolutely. Um, for me, if I actually didn't include this fight, I didn't have a, a women's fight on my top five and, you know, that's not to say it doesn't belong, but I mean, for goodness sake, there's a billion fights. Um, I would have put, if I, if I, if you told me, Hey, pick your favorite women's top women's fight of the year, I would have said the first fight between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, even the second, second one was fantastic too. It just, obviously for all the reasons we said earlier on, there was the, you know. A little bit of a Paul cast over it. Right? I just want blood. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, everything's bleeding with you. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, but like I said, I did not. Actually, that fight did not make my top five. In this spot, number four, I have Justin Gaethje against Rafael Faziev. That's a great fight. That was a fantastic fight. Uh, scores, scores for this fight were all over the place, and I think justifiably so. Um, but it was... For goodness, Justin Gaethje is a buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. We all know that. Yeah. Rafael Fiziev. We knew these guys were going to create fireworks, and you know they they totally delivered. Um, yeah, Fiziev. Like, does a year go by where we don't have Justin Gaethje in the top five of, of fights of the year? He's not in my top five, but he's in yours, so at least he made it. Yeah, I mean, it, he made it on some list, and you know, yours is flawed. That's okay. Mine is because now I'm looking at under some other fights. I'm like, man, 
I know, right? I can't believe there's, I forgot about that one. There's an embarrassment of riches with fights, and most of them tend to be in the UFC, I would say. Um, we just kind of, they not for nothing, there's great fighters everywhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But for whatever reason in the UFC, I, maybe it's just the, the, the abundance of available talent, mm-hmm. the fact that they do have a lot of these action fighters on there, um, they're able to produce matchups that just explode. Yeah. Um, so it, it almost dominates the list of, of top fights of the year, like, disproportionately to the roster crazy enough i mm. think um but i do have in number three a non-ufc fight yeah i, I mean I, I was there for this one and i i'm like man how'd i forget this one it was, <laughs> forget? Well, it was insane this is the greatest fight in pfl history i would say um and i i don't even think there's a close second clay collard against shane burgos yeah this was this was awesome especially in person i was there for this yeah. one as well um I was working it. You were just enjoying it like a fan, mm-hmm. the better way. Uh, <laughs> I would say the better way, especially at a PFL card. Because when you know when I go to UFC, they tend to put me very close to the cage. At PFL, I'm still sitting roughly where all the fans are sitting, and it's not a better view. I'm mm-hmm. just there to cover it. So, um, you know that that's that's my little you know whine or whatever my 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 whinging. But this fight was fantastic. I mean, the they were they both went after it. I think if you gave Burgos a little bit more time, he's getting the win because he started to really pay the dividends for the leg kicks that he was oh. throwing in that first round were really paying off as the fight went on. I still thought that, and okay, as I'm watching live and I'm you know trying to go between taking notes and writing and that kind of thing, I definitely missed some of the successes that Clay Collar was having in round one. And I actually thought there was an argument for Burgos to win round one. Having watched it back, I am very wrong. Absolutely wrong. Um, or, you know, realized that I was wrong at the time. I know right now. Absolutely, the f- scoring this fight was on point. Nothing wrong there. But the leg kicks were there, and they obviously did have an effect that was read later on. So, But Collard, of course, he put his hands on him, like, time after time after time. Great they, boxer. They threw a Great ton win. of strikes. So much. It, this was wild. This was so much so fun. So much damage. I think it's the best fight than I've ever watched in the theater of Madison Square Garden, which I've been to a few things there. I've been... I've been to glory kickboxing i've been to boxing i've been to you know several pfl shows now as well this stood out it's definitely the best pfl fight i've been i've been to the theater while there was a ufc on the other side that's right you were there for uh burke kreischer yeah that was weird they should that should have been a dual ticket they should have just let me walk in <laughs> you still have to leave to get in there though well no no they have these certain doors that oh, they do? connect to the arena hmm. shows what i know i'm not fancy i mean you, you gotta go through like the, the hallways of the like probably where like catering is and stuff. But my number three was one we already talked about: uh, Jalen Turner and Dan Hooker. Oh, okay. So, anything more you want to add about it? No, I just I just remember the the scoring and the fight was fantastic. All right, well said. <laughs> We're into the top two. You want to lead now? Yeah. Um. My my second best fight of the year was Pantoja and Marino too. Okay. Uh, I thought that was a fantastic fight. Back and forth, high energy, really fun fight. A lot of drama. Uh, a lot of ways you can realistically score this fight, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it created a little bit of, you know, controversy at the time. Some people thought it was like a little crazy to go certain scores, but I don't think so. I think we talked about it at the time as well. This is, there's a lot of things happening in this fight. And anytime you got a fight like that, number one, it's usually entertaining. Mm-hmm. Number two, sometimes it's just going to shake out the way it shakes out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, most people, I think, People at home seem to think, okay, the right guy won in this instance. But look, Moreno, does anyone think that Moreno couldn't win a rematch? 
No, Marino shows that he... A, th- a three-match, I should say, right? He's very <laughs> capable of winning rematches. Yeah, definitely. Although this, again, was the rematch. He lost that one. He's now lost two. But then again, he's, he's someone who I don't see unable to get that next one. And he might get another one, for all we know. It looks like he's he's got uh, Amir Abazi next. Winner mm-hmm. that's going to go on and get the title fight, they're saying. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. He might get another one. Yeah, that was a great choice. That's a great choice for number two. I had uh, in this number two spot, Shafkat Rachmanov against Jeff Neal. Yep. That fight was kinetic, yep. um, which is crazy to me because first people just this you know, just the other day, he fought a very different fight against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Very deliberate, very clearly doing a particular thing, trying to wear him down, get him to the ground and submit him. Wanted really no part of the striking. People starting to label him already as like a boring fighter. For this, like, get the heck out of here! You stop that. Your your memory doesn't go back to the spring. Shut up. That boring guy who always ain't getting finishes. It literally eighteen finishes in eighteen fights. What do you want from this man? He finished this fight that he didn't have to finish. Oh, he's so boring. Third round against Jeff Neal. <laughs> this is. I, I think this might be the only fight on here that actually had a finish. Mm-hmm. Is this the only one that didn't go the distance? Yeah. Yeah. Of of, of our top fives. Mm-hmm. Amazing fight. I, I thought it was fantastic. This is easily my favorite three-round fight of the year. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I didn't even think of doing three three versus fives. I mean, I didn't either. Yeah. It's just that's the way it broke down. Mm-hmm. So that was mine. Um, we've got to move on to number one, right? Number one. I, I Mine is the one you had at number two. I had Pantoja Moreno, too. There's not a whole lot more I can say about that that we didn't already say. But um, for me, it had it all. I mean, a championship fight, too. You know, th- there's there's obviously more on the line. Moreno, we were finally seeing after four fights in a row against David. Well, I guess he had a, a little break in there because he had Kai Carfons, but four fights in a row where the undisputed flyweight title is being defended involving Davis and Figueredo. We've moved on from that finally. We get a fresh matchup, and Pantoja comes in, and it really was fun. I thought this was a fantastic fight and, and, and a fantastic championship fight, a memorable championship mm-hmm. fight. Um, just further proof that. Any thought of getting rid of the flyweight division years back was one of the dumbest ideas that's ever <laughs> been floated by the UFC. God, My so, God. So what stupid. were we thinking? What is not we, because I was never part of that conversation, but what were people thinking? I don't know. I those are awesome. Yeah, sure. You could fold them up to 135 pounds and yeah, they're still fighting, but like these guys are good enough on their own to be championship level. You don't need to push them over into bantam weight where they'll never get an opportunity because we're already clogged up at 35. Yeah, 35 is crazy. Now, if you want to create a world where, okay, these guys aren't deep cutting weight anymore because a lot of these guys are deep cutting weight to get to 25, okay, fine. But, you know, let everybody move up. Then the 35s will move to 45, the 45s to 55, the 55s to 70, and then some of the 70s up to 85. At that point, we're pretty much, you know, evened out. Most There's not a whole lot of deep cuts mm-hmm. at 85. Um, but, yeah, I, the fight's like this. This is why we need flyweight. Oh, for sure. So that's my number one. What was your number one? Islam and Volk number one, the first fight. Yeah, yeah it, it was <laughs> close enough for people to call ro- robbery. I mean, they're insane um, to think that, but I thought it was a very good fight. Volk, you know, showed Islam was kind of uh, human. I guess you could say you rocked him a little bit. Um, second fight, not so much, um, but that first fight I thought was awesome. Yeah, uh, I think. The fact that the crowd was on the side of the guy who wasn't winning the fight, but also wasn't out of the fight, mm-hmm. I think that helped a lot. Yeah. I think the atmosphere definitely. Because think about when he was in that fourth round. And obviously there was that sequence where he's kind of like delivering all those strikes with his, you know, with his back taken. Mm-hmm. And those aren't winning the round. They're not going to win the round. 
but it energizes the crowd. It definitely gets you into it, even if you understand, yeah. okay, these aren't winning. You know, your wet blanket to say, oh, these aren't winning the fight. For him, it's not helping him. But for an entertainment standpoint, it's like, hey, it turned a position which could have just been like tension and that kind of thing into like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, he's doing something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's doing something. For the fans, um, yeah, I didn't even have this on my list, but realistically, like, like I said, there's a billion fights that could be on here. This could, this could yeah. have been my number one. There's just, there's so many good ones. A ton of fights, and most of them tend to be in the UFC. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And that was it for the fights. Let's close it out here, man. Best fighter, and we break it down to male and female. I think, I think it's fair to give uh, the due to each gender here. Mm-hmm. So let's start with uh, the women's side. Uh, Alexa, your... Alexa Grasso. Okay, yeah. That's who I had to. Ah, no drama there. The, that win over Valentina, it's just, that's it. And then the second fight, like you mentioned, great fight. I guess, I guess soured a little. But it, decision, it, even but if you still... don't think, even if you don't think that Grasso won that fight, mm-hmm. the thing that I take away from 2023 when it comes to Alexa Grasso is, think about 12 months ago, what you thought of Alexa Grasso and what you thought of Valentina Shevchenko. And ask yourself, if they fought two times, what chances would you give that Alexa Grasso was going to have the belt at the end of those two fights in the same year? Did you really think she'd no. keep that belt if she fought two times? And there's no way. There's no way. Nobody would have thought that. Save for everyone at Lobo Gym. Lobo Gym. Lobo Gym. Not Globo Gym. Lobo Gym. Lobo Gym. Mm-hmm. And Globo Gym, we're better than you. And we know it. Maybe that's, maybe he just switched the name to Lobo. Maybe. Maybe maybe he's just a big fan of that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that's uh that that's uh Grasso's uncle, Francisco. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, that easily for me the fight of the year. I did uh, I shouldn't say easily, because I actually toyed with it a little bit. I toyed with the idea of giving this to my runner up, uh, Amanda Nunes. All right. The reason I say Amanda Nunes as as possibly it, right, is because while well, she only won one fight and then she retired from that one fight, it was as Domina's could basically be without actually getting a finish, she completely was proved herself to be so much better than Irene Aldana, who was realistically a pretty solid alternative to, um, once she was injured, Juliana Pena, um, who we've talked about on this show before. We think that over the course of those two fights, Amanda Nunes proved who is the better of the two fighters anyway, outside of, save for an unfortunate sequence of events in the second round of the first fight. Right. And I think there's there's a little bit of body of work to this, too. I think she closed out a career having said, there are no more worlds for me to conquer. I'm done. I did everything. No one's going to look back and say, oh, she didn't fight Juliana Pena a third time. Or, oh, she didn't fight, uh, I mean, for goodness sakes, who, who could you even name? Depends if you ask Juliana Ketlin Pena. Vieta, like, they never fought because Ketlin never, never won the right fight. Like, no one cares. She did everything. She's done. Yeah, end it. Yeah. I mean, you want if you want to talk about 45, maybe that matchup with Kayla Harrison that never materialized, who was a training partner, of course, too, because Kayla never really made her way over to the UFC or Larissa Pacheco. Now, at this point, could have been an interesting one. But realistically, she was always a, a 35 or anyway. Mm-hmm. He cleared out that division so many times. It's it's done. It's it's over. Um, so I, I could see her as a runner up. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. That's fair. Who was your, who was your runner up? Aaron Blanchfield. Yeah, fair. Great year. Pride of New Jersey. Hey, Amanda Nunes used to train out of New Jersey. Did that, you know that? Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, she had two two big wins. Amazing performance over uh, Jessica Andrade. A surprising one, too. With uh, 
I, I mean, she's lined up to fight Man and Fior. I guess that's the fight we've all wanted, I guess, in that division. It is. Uh, if it wasn't a title fight, it, was, it had to be that fight. Yeah, so. In Atlantic City, so she just got to go down the uh, uh, down the parkway. Terrible drive. One of the worst. <laughs> one of the worst drives in the country, I'd say. Well, she's probably not going to be the one in the, like, that wheel. It's just construction after construction after construction. That's true. We should spend most horrible. of our time talking about that. It's horrible. <laughs> the tolls are going up. And then you end up somewhere where they they called Taylor Ham the wrong thing. It's like, and, yeah, and, and then it's like, what, yeah, you, what fantasy land did I end up in? Yeah, you asked for Taylor Ham, they look like you got three heads. It's like, that's what it is. Give and then I look at Taylor them like, I, they have three heads. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> they look at you, Benny. Mm-hmm. Benny. <laughs> <laughs> but no, strong year from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, de- so, solid choice. Like, outside of the championship, because cha- it's easy to give it to the champions, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And realistically, that's probably what you're supposed to but. As far as runner-up, good shout. I like it. Um, let's close out with the male fighter of the year. Who's yours? Islam Makhachev. Okay. You beat the number two pound-for-pound fighter twice, the second time in, in uh, a finish. That's my Either guy. Either on short notice, to be fair. Short notice, whatever. It's still Volkanovski. Sure, sure. I don't Absolutely. think that I don't think that guy ever stops training. No, I don't think so. Either. Not really. It's not the it's not the same, but yeah, it's not. Yeah. <clears throat> Coughing over there. Yeah, what's your uh I muted it, so hopefully it didn't come through. Yeah. Um, who's your fighter, male fighter of the year? So I don't think there's like a definitive one this year. Like a lot of times there's like maybe two guys that you're between and maybe you got to pick one. I think this year there's no one, two, three, or four. Like you could, a lot of people could come up with five different people as, as their mm. fight of the year this year. I went, I bet you I'm going to be one of the few of only who really goes this way, but I gave it to Alex Pereira. Yeah. Which is, I mean, sense. how many times are you going to give it to the guy who lost his first fight of the year? A championship fight, no less. Right. But for me, I think that even pl- plays into it a little bit because this is someone who, yes, it's a loss, but it's also a loss to um, one of the greatest fighters of this of this era of the basically of this uh, of this ESPN post uh, post Zufa sale uh, endeavor era. Right. Hmm. He is a fantastic fighter in Israel Adesanya, who again. Gave the knockout of the year for what he did to Pereira. But Pereira goes up. He beats a former champion in Jan Blahovic, and, and he kind of has to get a little gritty with it. There's a little bit of grappling involved in this one from the, the career kickboxer, right? Mm-hmm. That was surprising. I think that surprised a few people. It was not the, the prettiest performance, but I think it was gutty and, and, and gritty and performed at altitude. And I think he did what he needed to do to get it done. So that impressed me. Goes out there, beats the guy who... As much as we've had turmoil this year with the 205-pound title, you know, being bounced around from guy to guy and, and being uh, taken out of the mix and that kind of thing, um, I think that what we have here is somebody who did something that we just haven't seen before. We've never seen somebody go so quickly from their debut in the UFC to two-division champion. He did this in just over two years. Yeah, Conor McGregor took three and a half years to do this. Took yeah, I mean Bo Bo is gonna you know give him a run for it. Um, He's gonna have to yeah. do it like by the end of this year though. He probably will. Yeah, I'm sure he's that's, <laughs> that's definitely gonna happen. No, but that's the thing. Think about how crazy yeah. it is to like actually get that to manifest, right? He like, was very no, fast. Nobody is on that fast track like that. I you know what I gotta say this impressive as he did it is so fast. If he doesn't have that Izzy storyline from kickboxing, it probably doesn't happen. It never happens, but he may never come over either. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't even bother coming over, but he did. And he comes out there mm-hmm. and he fights 
Uh, Yuri Prohaska, even if he's coming off an injury, I think everybody looked at Yuri as still the best 205er in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, he really wasn't that far removed from his last fight. It was less than 18 months. We've seen guys take lo- much longer off than that and still be considered the best, right? So I, I don't think it takes any shine off of it. I think it's a really impressive win. And now we've got a two-division champion. It's not simultaneous, but he is... All, he has very quickly left his mark on mixed martial arts when literally two years and two months ago, most people didn't even know who he was. Yeah. You know, unless you follow glory kickboxing, which I don't No, No, I I've, I've been to, like I said, I've been to one glory event. Uh, that was, uh, that was uh, Georgia. Georgie Petrosian was uh, at that point. He was considered the best in the world. And he, uh, he's, he's like a 45 or if I recall, I'm, I'm, I don't follow the kickboxing world as often, but um that was a stunning upset in a little tournament they had that night. So that was pretty wild to be able to go to that. But uh, my my runner-up, I should point out, and I don't think you said your runner-up. Not yet. But uh, my runner-up was uh, Alexander Pantoja. Yeah, because I do think he has t- the two best wins over two different opponents of any of the guys who ended the year as champion. Okay. That, that was basically my thinking there. And you could go with a billion people. I mean, if you want to... You want to even give it to Leon Edwards. I don't even think that's that crazy to give it to him. I mean, he he beat Kamaru Usman a third time, looked really impressive. It wasn't the greatest fight, and it certainly wasn't the greatest fight against Colby, but he won that fight too against somebody everyone still regarded as one of the best. And you know, there's there's a billion guys. Who who would you give it to as your runner up? I gave my uh runner up to Sean Strickland. Beating Izzy the way he did, it was just uh I mean, very impressive. And I was still on the fence, but then once he got the 10-9 over Dreykus. Uh, in the crowd, uh, <laughs> it put it over the top for me. No glove touch though. He, he, and, uh, that makes well, it better. He did, the, he did the little polite, like, oh, get get the Burns family out of the way. Make sure make sure uh, Gilbert's kid and his wife don't get hurt. And then all of a sudden, he just leaped into action like a crazy man because he is a crazy. Man. Yeah. Um, did, I, a lot of people are giving it to Strickland, right? There, there are a lot of people name is Strickland as their guy. I couldn't get there with Strickland, and it has nothing to do with the personality or anything like that. For me, it comes down to. Two things. Number one, the first fight of the year was it was it was kind of like we were already thinking about it as like why is he why are we already getting another Sean Strickland headliner right? Mm-hmm. He gets the win. Uh, goodness, what was his Im- name? Imavov. Imavov. Thank you, Nasruddin Imavov gets the win over him. And Imavov's a fine fighter, but nowhere near like top of the division or anything like that. And then he gets the title fight off of a victory over Abus Magomedov, which who was ranked very deep down on like any other website you'd go to. We're talking about like 40th or 50th in the world. Like this is, that's not a good win. Like I I know he looked impressive after weathering the storm in round one. And obviously he's a tough enough fighter, but like, man, come on that, that the win over Adesanya is amazing. And, And it was virtuoso in the sense that we didn't see it coming. And not only did he not see it coming, he actually won pillar to post. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's just one fight. That wasn't enough for me, but it was against Izzy. I know, I get, it. I get it. I get it. But also, I like I mentioned, he also has one. He also has a round over Dreykus. Yes, I yeah. understand. <laughs> I I don't know how many people really care about that fight before. Maybe they care a little more now because of the, the goofiness. But you know, I think most of us were kind of looking at it as like, all right, I guess it's another middleweight title fight. Well, middleweight is terrible. Exactly. <laughs> another reason why I don't give it to him. Yeah, I mean, when else am I going to give this guy an award? I mean. Well, you didn't. You you actually didn't give him the award. I, I gave him the runner-up. Yeah, that might be worse. <laughs> runner-up's not an award. It's just a note. <laughs> uh. 
All right, that does it for the 2023 judges. All your awards are in the mail. They are, probably, maybe, definitely. <laughs> uh, we had a great time. Uh, we'll be back next week. I'm not sure exactly what we'll have, but we'll have something fun. We've got some stuff in the works I think you're going to enjoy, so stay tuned. And you know, Like I said, if it's Christmas and, and you care, enjoy it. If not, happy Monday. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.